Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. What's going on in Matthew 25, it's a national national judgment. This is not a judgment in Matthew 25. It is not a judgment for saved people. Uh, the judgment for saved people, which would be us, if, you, if, if you're saved, uh, you're going to have a judgment. And that's going, that judgment is not going to happen on earth. That judgment is going to happen in heaven. And in 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, Watch what it says in verse number 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 11. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. Verse 15, if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. What are you going to suffer loss of? It's not going to be loss of salvation. You're saved. A matter of fact, this judgment is happening in heaven, so you can only get to heaven if you're saved, okay? This is a judgment that you and I will receive based on the works that we have done and whether or not they had eternal value and were for the Lord. There's absolutely nothing to do with your salvation. You're already saved. You're in heaven. And go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. You're in heaven when this judgment occurs. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. And it is for saved people. And it happens in heaven. It doesn't happen on the earth like what we're going to see in Matthew 25 tonight. It's a completely different judgment. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house, if this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For this that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that which would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that had wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. When someone, we have a loved one that knows the Lord, they die. Don't we use this verse? These are safe people. And it's very, very clear from this passage. Wherefore we labor that whether 
present or absent, we may be accepted of him. Verse 10, here it is. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. You see that in 1 Corinthians 3 and then 2 Corinthians chapter 5? That judgment seat of Christ, that's the judgment for believers were saved. There's nothing to do with salvation. It's already been taken care of at the cross. We've already trusted Christ. And that's going to happen in heaven. Going to happen in heaven. And we get raptured, go up, and that's when we're going to stand before the Lord at the judgment seat. We've already died. We're going to stand before the Lord at the judgment seat. Uh, so that's that judgment. Um, when you read Matthew 25, you can't biblically cross-reference 1 Corinthians 3 and 2 Corinthians 5 and say those are the same judgment. They're completely and entirely different, all right? What we just looked at is for us, saved people. Now, go to Revelation chapter number 20. There's a judgment for the lost. And that judgment will happen at the close of the 1,000 year or the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it will be a final sentencing to the lake of fire. It's not for saved people. It is not the judgment that's occurring in Matthew 25. This is a separate judgment that is for the lost and in revelation chapter 20 verse number 11 and i saw a great white throne so what do you think this judgment's called the white throne judgment okay and it's for the lost and i saw a great white throne and he and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them when I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open, another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. See, so he gave up the dead which were in it. Death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. And this is the second death. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That's not for you. We already went through what's for us. That's for the lost. And what we see in Matthew 25, it is neither of those. The judgment that occurs for us, the judgment seat of Christ happens in heaven. The judgment for the lost, this is heaven and earth. Heaven and earth, they're fled away, it says in Revelation. The judgment that's happening in Matthew 25 is a national judgment and it is occurring where? Earth. Going to occur on earth. Also, it's important, uh, get Ephesians chapter 2. It's also important to say that Matthew 25, this last section of verses, does not in any way teach salvation by works 
And anyone that may, wants to take Matthew chapter 25 and use it to teach salvation by works is completely and utterly wrong. There is no soul salvation occurring anywhere in the passage, number one. So we should not make any attempt to make Matthew 25 teach that works can save you. Hebrews 10, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, Ephesians 2, or by grace he is saved, verse 8, through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Our salvation does not involve works at all. So that's the second thing we'll talk about. Go back to Matthew chapter uh, 20, actually 24. And last thing we'll say before we get into the message. Doctrinally, the clear doctrinal teaching that's occurring all throughout Matthew 24 and 25, but these last section of verses has everything doctrinally has everything to do with the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you look at Matthew 24, verse number three, it says, what shall be the sign of thy coming? Go all the way to verse number 27. You see that at the end of the verse? So shall also the coming of the son of man be. Go down to verse number 30. And they shall, uh, and then shall appear the sign of the son of man in heaven. And go, it goes on, they shall see the son of man coming. In the clouds of heaven. Look at verse number 44 at the end of the verse. Think ye not the Son of Man cometh. Uh, go to Matthew chapter 25. Look at verse 13 at the end of the verse. The Son of Man cometh. We see uh, verse number 29 in, 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 uh, in verse 24. We know when it's happening. Immediately after the tribulation of those days. So doctrinally, where are we at? The second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 25 does not teach work salvation to earn it or to keep it. It's not there. Doctrinally, this judgment is not for the lost. This judgment is not for the saved. That happens in heaven. This judgment is for nations. And it's happening on the earth. And we're going to look at, we're going to look into that. Lord willing, we'll make some headway tonight. So let's start reading in Matthew chapter 25. And we're in verse number 31. The Bible says, when the son of man shall come in his glory. John 1, how did he come as his first coming? The Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, right? He came his first coming as the Lamb of God. Philippians 2, but he made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a servant. He was the Lamb of God. He came as a servant. We do live, we do live in a world of hallmark Christianity. We sing joy to the world as if we're ushering in a king. We we didn't usher in. The world didn't usher in a king when he was born. He was the Lamb of God. He was a servant. The Bible says he is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows. That's how he came on his first coming. And 
Heaven and nature isn't singing on December 25th. They're not. That's Psalm 98. I think it's Psalm 98. That's happening when we looked at some of those verses, actually, when we made some application to music. But that's going to happen when he comes as a king. That's what that psalm's about doctrinally. We can make some application, understand some music. I think we did that last last week. But doctrinally, that's where that occurs. And heaven and earth is going to sing when he comes as a king. And then it says, then he shall sit upon the throne of his glory. Get Hebrews chapter number one. Hebrews one. Hebrews chapter number one. Look at verse three. Look at the first verse, verse one. The first word of the first verse, God. Now look at verse three. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down, on the right hand of the majesty on high. Who is that? Jesus. Where is Jesus? At the right hand. Everybody see that? He sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Look at Hebrews chapter number 8. Jesus Christ, what we're looking at in Hebrews, is at the right hand of God the Father. Hebrews chapter 8, verse number 1. Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such an high priest who is set on, here it is again, the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Who is on the throne in heaven? That would be God the Father. Jesus Christ is where? At the right hand of the Father. Where? In the heavens. Everybody see that? It's real clear. Right in Hebrews 1, right in Hebrews 8. Now go to Hebrews 12. Hebrews chapter number 12, verse number 2. Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down, here it is for the third time, at the right hand of the throne of God. God the Father is on the throne. That throne is in heaven. Jesus Christ is not sitting on the throne. God the Father is. Jesus Christ is at the right hand of the Father. Whose throne's in heaven? God the Father. Where is Jesus in relation to that throne in heaven? At the right hand. So we got everybody got that, right? We got it. Okay. Ephesians chapter number five. What is going on right now on earth? Well, 
Ephesians 5, verse 23 says, For the husband is the head of the wife, Ephesians 5, 23, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. What's going on right now on the earth? The church age. That's what we are a part of. That's what we are living in. We are a part of Christ's body, and that's the church. And is Jesus Christ considered the king of the church? Or does Ephesians 5.23 say he's the head of the church? He's our head. Jesus, right now, on earth, what is going on is not Jesus Christ as king. The same way it wasn't when he came for his first coming, it wasn't Jesus Christ as king either. It was Jesus Christ as the man of sorrows. It was Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God. It was Jesus Christ who was despised and rejected. It was Jesus Christ as a servant. You know what he is now? He's not the king of the church. He's the head of the church. When we as husbands walk into our home, we're not king. <laughs> Ephesians 5.23 says we're supposed to be the head. Of the home. And do you see how it's likened? Look at the verse again. I know we've read this so many times, but for the husband is the head of the wife. He's not the he's not her king. He's the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. We are not here on earth to build a kingdom for King Jesus as our king. We're not building a kingdom. We are here building a body by which those that are saved into have Jesus Christ as their head. And that's what he is for us. He's the head of the church. That means this church and all true biblical churches, Christ is the head. When will the church be completed? Not the snap of the finger. It's going to be the jump of God and just at the rapture, right? Then the church age will complete. After the church age is complete, Daniel's 70th week is fulfilled. Then Jesus Christ is going to come where? On earth. And he's not going to be the head of the church during that time. He is going to be the king. He's going to be crowned as king for a kingdom on earth. And that is what we are dealing with in Matthew 25. A kingdom on earth with, with Christ as the ruling king of the earth. Hope that wasn't too much information. So far, but we're a quarter of a way through, so we'll see how far we get. But it's important we get this context and we understand exactly what we're talking about, biblically speaking. Matthew 25 and verse 31, all the holy angels with him. Then 
shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. Right now he's in heaven at the right hand of the Father. But when he come, when the Son of Man comes in his glory with all the holy angels with him, then he shall sit upon the throne of his glory, and that's going to be on earth. He's going to return again. He's going to sit on David's throne. We're not going to do a deep dive into that, but I want you to understand the difference between God the Father on his throne, Christ at the right hand, Jesus Christ coming down on his second coming. He's going to sit on the throne. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. How many of you say, like I've said, the sheep and the goats? Except the Bible doesn't say the sheep and the goats. It says his sheep and the goats, which is interesting um, because, well, they're his. <laughs> and, and those are definitely not his. But this judgment is going to be a national judgment. What do we have in the United States? President, you have the vice president, you've got the speaker of the house, and then you've got all different types of leadership. Someone might have to give me a civil liberties lesson, if that's what you call it, but you, what do you have? The, the Department of Defense, you've got the CIA, you've got someone in uh, the Secretary of Naval, you've got all, all of these, there's a whole bunch of secretaries. Do we have a say in any of that? No, we don't. Our nation makes decisions. And if our nation makes a decision that's wicked and against God, you and God's not going to hold you and I responsible for national leadership that does something that's against God and against biblical principles. And praise the Lord for it. He's not going to judge us. Because we live in a nation where our national leaders say it's okay to murder babies in the womb. That's on their watch. That's not on my watch. That's not on your watch. That's national leaders making decisions that unfortunately the citizens of that nation are stuck with. So God is going to say, Enough. And they're all going to answer to God for it. And in verse number 33, he says, and he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom. It doesn't say inherit heaven. Nobody's soul is getting saved in Matthew 25. And nobody's soul is inheriting, is inheriting heaven. It's a kingdom. All of this is going to happen on earth. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Christ is going to come back to the rules king. He says, for I was and hungered and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and he came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered and fed thee or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king 
shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, and as much as you have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, you have done it unto me. Jesus Christ comes back and he's going to be ruling his sheep nations. He's going to be ruling them righteously and he's going to be ruling them on earth. These goat nations, they're going to have a problem and we're going to get into that in a minute. But the national leaders that helped Christ's brethren, the Jews, and assisted them are going to be considered his sheep nations. They're helping his people on the earth. All of this is occurring on earth. How is he going? How are these sheep nations? And when we say these sheep nations, these national leaders have policies in place or are issuing things that will be helpful. How will that occur? Well, look at verse 35. Ye gave me drink. Ye gave me meat. Ye took me in. When all of these food pantries and when all of these rescue missions have Matthew 25 as their verse, look, I get you want to help people. But if you're doing it because you think you have to earn your salvation, you're just way off. You're not going to earn your salvation by giving people that are homeless food. Matter of fact, you know what the verse says? Look what it says. I was hungry, you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Has anybody been behind Walmart lately down in Cookville? We still have a huge homeless population. You know why? Because all the food pantries and all of these shelters and all these people that want to do good works, they haven't done everything the verse says because none of them took them in. They still don't have a home. <laughs> They're still homeless. They didn't take them into their home and have, you know, Roger who talks to himself and is coming off of drugs every day. And like, I know people, they're not all like that. I don't, I don't mean to make light of, People's situation because it's a serious situation. So I guess don't misunderstand. People need help, and we thank God for those ministries that are there to be able to help those people. But doctrinally, this is for national leaders that are to help Christ's brethren during this time of tribulation, and if they don't. They are going to be considered the goats. Gonna be a problem. This is why. This is why when you look at nations now, how they deal with Israel. Do you really think if we got raptured now, do you think those nations are going to change their view on Israel? Not a chance. This is why we are pro. Israel. Not because we think that the Jews are just going to heaven because they're, no, we're going to witness to a Jewish person, right? The same way you would an atheist on a college campus or a, someone caught up in some, you know, false religion. 
We're not giving them a pass because, well, I'm a Jew. Oh, okay. Do you know Jesus Christ is your savior? We're going to talk to them the same way. That's not why we're pro-Israel. We're pro-Israel because this judgment right here, these nations that despise the Jews, they're not going to change. And when the judgment comes, it's going to be bad news for them. Verse 36, clothed them and visited them. And you know what the reward is going to be? The nations that have helped the Jews, the reward for those national leaders, those nations will be, you are going to receive entrance into my kingdom that will be on earth. Just by way of mention again, there's no mention anywhere of anyone going to heaven anywhere in this passage. Because no one is earning their way into heaven in Matthew 25. Nations are earning their way and entrance into a kingdom on the earth. Nobody's leaving earth in this context and in this doctrinal passage. Look at verse number 41. Then, well, let's, uh, 25, where did we stop reading? Did we stop reading at 40? Okay, so we're on 41. Then, shall he say also unto them on the left hand, depart from me, be cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Do you see anywhere it says, uh, prepared for the non-elect? If you ask the Calvinist, did God create heaven for the elect? I'm going to assume they would all say yes. Now you ask them, did God create hell for the non-elect? If they say yes, you bring them to Matthew 25, 41 and say, well, that's in direct violation of Matthew 25, 41, because the Bible says that God prepared it for the devil and devil's angels. If they say no, then you say, well, help me understand exactly where the non-elect going to spend eternity. You can't get that unless you create a system of theology rather than rightly dividing the word of truth. And if neither heaven or hell were created for the non-elect, then explain to me this passage, Matthew 25, 41. And they'll say, well, that's simple. We'll just create another doctrine and we'll call it the secret will of God. We'll call it the unrevealed will of God. <laughs> and that's how they're going to come up with fitting stuff into the Bible that shouldn't be there. John Calvin says, as Westminster Confession, he says, by the decree of God, for the manifestation of his glory, some men and angels are predestined unto everlasting life, and others are foreordained to everlasting death. That's funny because First Timothy 2, 4 says, who will have all men to be saved, coming to the knowledge of the truth. Well, yeah, but that's God's revealed will. 
You see, we have God's, God has an unrevealed will. God has a secret will. You can't get that anywhere in the Bible, but you can certainly get a big following if you create a religion and you create a doctrine. They will say that hell for the non-elect serves to magnify God's grace toward the elect. By the decree of God, for the manifestation of his glory, some were predestined to everlasting death, just for God's glory. One Calvinist wrote this, one who thinks that God's glory is not worth the death and suffering of billions of people has too high an opinion of himself and humanity. I don't have any trust in humanity. And I trust nor do you. <laughs> and praise God he sent his son to die for our sins. But this idea that if you somehow don't agree with this Calvinistic decree that you are somehow taking away from God's glory, I just don't buy it. Adrian Rogers said this. He said, if you go to hell, you'll be an intruder. Hell was not prepared for you. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. But if you choose to follow Satan, you'll follow him to hell. And I thought that was a good quote. I don't know if you heard him preach that or not, but <laughs> but I thought that was pretty good. That's true. That's called rightly dividing the Bible. Not everybody goes to heaven. We don't believe in universal salvation at all. But God prepared hell for the devil and devil's angels. And if you follow the devil, you will end up there. God wants all men to be saved. So if you're not, will you come to the knowledge of the truth? So a message. All right, Matthew 25. Look at verse number 42. For I was in hungered, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. What do you think? Jesus is, you know, walking. <laughs> He's like, I'm, I'm just so thirsty. I'm like, no. It's this union that he has, his brethren. It's so, you're doing it to his brethren. You're doing it to his people. And this is, this is illustrating just that union that if you're treating my people that way, you might as well just do it to me. Verse 44. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when we saw thee in hunger, or thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee, then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye did it not to one of the least of these, ye did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous unto eternal life. How many of you know or know of a prepper? And they have stockpiled canned goods to survive at least seven years. Because if they only have to go through three and a half years, well, good. But at least they got enough for seven. And every time Walmart has a sale on bottled water, they stockpile it. They've got all, you know, they're, they're hoarding all the bottled water and they are ready. They're ready. And, and when you tell them, well, that's great that you're ready. Um, we're just getting really ready for the winter in case an ice storm hits. <laughs> I mean, you know, God wants us to be prepared and all that. But they say, well, don't come to my house. If you're, if you're not getting ready for the tribulation, 
then don't come to my house. Really? Bring them to this passage. Because what it says is, all of this, for I was in hunger, verse 42, and you gave me no meat, I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. Um, <laughs> you know what you got to tell these preppers? That's great that you got all this stuff, but if you're going to keep it all for yourself, good luck, because if you want to apply that theology, verse number 46 says, you're going to be cast into ever you're, you're going to be cast into everlasting punishment because you got to give it all away. <laughs> you got to take all that water and all that food, and who do you got to give it to? The Jews, Christ's brethren. So if you're saving it for yourself, that's what this entire parable is about. You're not feeding them. You're not clothing them. You're not giving them water. You're not taking them in. But you got your place in the wilderness. You got 35 acres and you got barbed wire around it and you got a bunker and you got ammo and you can shoot all everybody down and you can keep everybody from your place and you can eat for seven years. Great. God's going to cast you into hell. Because he said, he, he said, you got to give it away to them. It doesn't make any sense that you and I would go through a lick of the tribulation. But if for some reason you think that you're going to keep stockpiling and get ready to follow the Bible and give it all away. Because you better not let them go thirsty. You better not let them go hungry. And you better not let them have, you better let them have a place to live. You better give them some shelter. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.